0: joining me for the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm your host, Howie Jacobson. Today, I'm talking with a former nun who spent 13 years working around the globe in the order that was founded by Mother Teresa, and she burned out. She was drained. She had nothing to give herself, and so nothing to give the people in her care. And she returned to Holland, where she had to reinvent herself in a world that she was completely unprepared for. And in our conversation, we talk about burnout. We talk about self-care and about the work that she does now, which is helping people get back into the workplace after an accident or an injury or a disease. And, And also helping individuals and groups and organizations find the soul in what they do, find the heart and the meaning so they're not just piling up achievements and accomplishments, but actually doing useful good things in the world. So I think there's a lot here for everyone, and I don't want to give too much away. So let's get right into it. Without further ado. Saskia Kramer, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Howie, for having me. It's absolutely my pleasure.
0: Yeah, I was I was wondering because I hadn't I don't think I've heard you speak and so I was really wondering what your accent would be, given what I've read about your biography, about uh, sort of where you were born and where you've moved and lived, and all the languages. So, uh, is that sort of a, a, yeah. a, a bit of a Dutch accent I'm hearing?
1: Yes, uh, I'm I'm Dutch. I'm a, I'm a Dutch Kiwi, uh, to be more precise. Um, I am born in uh, in New Zealand and. Um, Traveled the world, so my accent may be a little bit Dutch. There should be some American, and now my kids are correcting me uh, to get the Cork accent.
0: Oh well, they're all they're all good. I don't I don't hear any uh, New Zealand in there, though.
1: <laughs> no, I guess I was a little bit too. I was still learning how to uh, how to speak, so uh, <laughs> so that has gone a bit on the background.
0: Gotcha. So I was so interested in your story when I started reading about it in terms of the work you're doing now and the journey and the path that took you to get there. So maybe let's let's start with just what you do now, just to give people a, um, a frame of reference for the rest of the conversation.
1: Yeah, so what I do now is um, I am uh, helping leaders to um, to create actually uh, the growth mindset within within their teams or for uh, for themselves, and uh, to see how can they improve their uh, their leadership and be implement uh, a greater emotional intelligence within their team and uh, and for themselves as well. So how do you put uh, the human the human person at the center of uh, of your business of your team? So that is my um yeah my challenge at the moment to to be able to you know to help those leaders with with all that is coming um and and requested it from them to help them um take on that next level within within their team and and for themselves you know um there's always uh uh a, a next leap and um without getting into the overwhelm how can you expand and extend? Um, what you're really good at, um, without getting overwhelmed.
0: Uh huh. So you know something about overwhelm. Yes,
1: <laughs> I, I do. <laughs>
0: I gather. So maybe this is a good place to segue into your story, which um, I guess you know the the uh, call to adventure began at the age of twelve, right? You
1: yes. Correct. That? Correct. Um, so at the age of 12, I, uh, my mom got the invitation to, um, to go on a road trip, uh, as I call it with, uh, with mother Teresa, she was doing a lot of charity work, um, with the homeless, with the, with the sisters and, um, mother would come and visit. And, um, and so we had the privilege to go on a road trip with, uh, with mother. And I remember sitting in between the two uh front seats and and looking and just being absorbed by by her quality of presence and uh, and her focus in uh in her presence and um that is what what drew me and what what fascinated me how can you be have this presence and focus um yeah to 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 the people that are surrounding you and and in in what you're doing um so there my journey started actually to yeah to to see okay what what does it mean to be to be present and to basically to be fully there for the person who is in front of you and really giving them the impression that they are the only one in the world, basically. Mm. And, um, and what was,
0: what did you see as the result of that? Like you could watch her, watch Mother Teresa be that way. What was the, what was the impact on her world, on the people around her that you saw that made you so impressed?
1: Um, I think it was the quality of her presence and the unconditional, which was, which seemed to be unconditional, no matter who. Who was there? Whether it was the poor in the slum or the poor dying on the side of the road, or whether it was the the president, she always had equal equal presence and and focus in what she was doing. Whether she would be pre- preparing a big synod um, or or talk on a big synod or prepare her day taking care of the poor, it didn't matter. Um, her intensity of presence and the way she dealt with a person um, was always, always the same. She would give everything. Um,
0: and what, what was the impact of that on, on the people around her and on the work she was trying to do? Because you're you're now working with leaders. I presume you, you see Mother Teresa as kind of a role model of a certain type of leadership so what did what did she get for all that? Like, you know, I can I can I can imagine the poor on the slums being very happy to receive that kind of attention. But I, I mean, I don't know what did it do to rich people, you know, powerful people like what? What was the effect of on her? Yeah, world? To be,
1: I think the biggest one was no matter, no matter the success you have or haven't. To be touched and to be taken seriously as a person, so to be valued for who you are, um, rather than to be valued for um, what you are doing or what you have achieved uh, achieved in your life. And I think that is one of the big lessons that I learned from her to be able to look at at the persons uh, in itself in their in their capacity in their in their ability, but even beyond that, in 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 who they are deep down, um, surpassing all the external external elements of what we may qualify as as success or or, or not.
0: Mm. And I, I imagine in your in your work in organizations, there's a lot of people who are who are very achievement oriented, who may have lost touch. With that deeper sense of themselves, because it's so alluring to define ourselves in terms of, you know, accomplishment in terms of what the what the external world values.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think there we are. Often we are looking, uh, we're defining ourselves by what we have accomplished or what we have uh, what we have done, or by our failures or what we have not uh, accomplished. Rather than looking at the at the specific quality of being that is that we are and 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 the people that surround us are so in that sense everyone each person has something unique to to contribute to offer um, simply simply by their by their presence.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha.
1: Which gives a completely different approach on on looking at um, okay how can we how can we um, look into leadership and how can we look into um, building building a team that is rather uh, person oriented rather than result driven.
0: Mm. So and yet results are important. Too yes. right, like when you look at mother. When I look at Mother Teresa's legacy, you know she didn't just live in a hut and be nice yeah. to people. Like she exactly moved the world.
1: Yeah, and I think there is there is her power, um, or there was her power. Well, it's, it still continues to to be honest. So it's even a legacy reaching beyond her um, her presence. And one of the things she would always tell us is is don't count the numbers. She was the, res- the result of, of what she established or what, um, what came about was a result which was beyond her, I would say, because she always said, don't count the numbers. The, the, the quality you are bringing to, uh, to the table or to, to a person in, in, in the personal life Today is as, uh, all that will lead to, to something uh, bigger, as we see now in her whole uh, in, in the whole legacy she has she has left. Um, but it was never her intention to create such a big movement. Mm. It was always I am being attentive to this person now, and from there on the ripple effect. Th- 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 the, the result was beyond what she what
0: she had intended. Mm. I mean, that's that's so interesting, because there's so much pressure in the business world and in the not for profit world to to scale and, yeah. and to start, you know, even when you're starting out, come up with a model that can scale. And it, it seems like, you know, it seems like very good advice. And I have friends who are, you know, entrepreneurs and they're talking about like, make sure you don't end up getting bogged down in something that you're constantly lifting. Um, but it's, it seems like there's also, there's a bit of a contradiction there in, in terms of the, the, the long term mission and, and sort of see, you know, like walking the tightrope between the two buildings and then watch, putting just watching where your foot goes right now.
1: Yeah, and and I think that is a I think it's a healthy tension, because it allows us to be um, uh, to move from one to the other, and to I think as long as we don't forget um, the the sight on on the human on the person as such, um, and we are able to navigate and to see okay, but if we want to um, build something sustainable who as a person are we invited to become uh, in order to reach that uh, that target or that goal rather than being focused on um, on reaching that goal as 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 the end itself so there you get the the, the aspect of okay where is the, where is the growth your your um looking into into the journey and the growth mindset and the growth journey towards reaching a goal where everyone is is becoming um, becoming better in the end um, with a way greater asset um, where and a greater legacy rather than just looking at um, at reaching the target or reaching the goal. and i think there you can then the goal you have reached is is a means to to the personal growth and and the growth of the business um and and from there on you can you can keep growing and say okay well i have reached this uh this point or this this target what is next where where am i going to continue to grow otherwise you get you get to a point where you're like, everything is goal oriented. And once you are reaching that goal, you're, you're looking around and say, okay, well, was this it, you know, is this, I have reached my goal. I thought everything was there, um, but, but, but what next? So then it may be the dissatisfaction of reaching the goal because the goal is just a means to, to, to get where we, you know, it's good. But it's a means to grow. And and the journey is is what is satisfying, Um, not the fact of reaching the goal, per se.
0: Mm. Yeah, it reminds me of races I've run where the whole race is miserable except for the last 100 meters. But if I just ran the last 100 meters, it wouldn't mean anything. It was all the suffering, (laughs) the 25 and a half miles of suffering before that. (laughs) That gave meaning to the, yeah, and, to the goal.
1: Yeah, and if you don't take the journey towards it, um, if you if you don't um, uh, uh, imply it within reaching within reaching the goal, then the goal is just a goal. It's 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 quite empty. It's a, it's a figure or it's something. But the whole accomplishment comes from when you allow yourself to grow and to at that. Point of reaching the goal. See, okay, well, how far have you come? What have you? What are you able to do now that you weren't before? Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 there, I think there is a, a completely different way of um, of goal goal setting and also of of reaching um, reaching the next level or setting is setting that growth uh, for for a company.
0: Mm-hmm. So I want to go back to your story, and I'm finding like you, at, at age twelve you met. Mother Teresa and then you decided to sort of follow in her footsteps to some extent yes, right correct so what, yeah. what was that about
1: um at the age of so at twelve I met her in 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 Holland and at the age of sixteen I went to I went to Calcutta and uh, I spent some time in the house of the dying and the orphanages and uh, there again I was I was touched by by the level of, of, of connection that was able, that was possible beyond beyond race, beyond uh, language. I didn't speak, I didn't speak the language. And yet there was such an intense intense connection with the people I was taking care of. I, they set me down next to a woman who was dying which made a huge impact on me in seeing I was only 16 and they set me there and I was like okay there's nothing I could do than just take her hand and 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 sit next to her and and be there. Hmm. And that made a profound impact on me and and which led me to um, to write a letter to her, asking her if I could if I could join her. And she said very wisely, she said, "You wait until you're 18. You finish your school first, and then you can come and see if this is something you would like to pursue or would like to join." And so that is what I did. Um, I finished my school, and at the age of 18, I left to um, Croatia. Uh, that was in uh, during the uh, former Yugoslavia, war, um, and started there my uh, my missionary life.
0: Hmm. What, what did your folks think?
1: <laughs> well, they, I think they saw it coming, and they they realized that you know my desire to do so was, you know, it had been growing since since the age of twelve. So I think they realized that you know there was no point in in. In stopping me or or anything, so Mm -hmm. they they understood that that was something that I had to uh, had to explore and um, Uh and do. So they they let me.
0: So were were you like a normal teenager in other ways, like you know, like friends and parties and movies and things? Like I'm trying I'm trying to picture like what would it have had to be like for me to have (laughs) this calling at the same time as just trying to be a kid.
1: Yeah, well, I think that very because because I had traveled so much, my father was um, uh, was working for Shell, so we had traveled a lot, and um, I always felt there was something that I was, you know, I was I was being part of the group, but yet there was something in my experience that didn't match um, the experience of of the other. Uh, friends around me who had been in their own environment for years and years and had never moved and everything. Um, So for me, there was always, uh, uh, yeah, uh, coming and going between I belong and yet I don't belong. So I was always trying to find my own way. And when I came back from, from Calcutta, and I was sharing my experiences with uh, with my classmates and my and my teachers. There, I had a real culture shock in coming back, and I felt that there was such a big gap between what I had experienced and um, where they were standing and what they were what they were living that that it was just not matching. Hmm. And um, so I always learned there to. Yet be part of part of the group and, and be um, you know do what what a normal teenager would do and yet to feel that difference of the experiences I had I had made uh, or had gone through that there was something that just couldn't couldn't connect um, so which at the same time set me free to to really make my choices in the way I thought. Um, were in my own best interest.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm imagining it must be, you know, hard to come back from that kind of um, experience, and then have your friends worried about, like, does he like me, and you know, <laughs> is this a pimple? <laughs> yeah.
1: And also, you know, I was I was talking to to one of my uh, my music teachers, and and she said, um, yeah, but you know, if we would have um, the warmth and the sun all day, we would be happy as well, because I was really touched by the, by the human dignity and the joy within in the midst of all the poverty that I had seen there. And she simply said, you know, it's, if we would, if it would, the sun would be shining every day here, we would be, we would have the same joy. And I was like, there was such a misconnect there that I was like, you really don't understand the, the poverty that I have seen there and to make such a remark on it's dependent on whether we are, we are having a nice weather or not. I felt it was so not connecting. And I was like, I, I just can't share this experience anywhere because uh-huh. people just don't get it.
0: Uh-huh. So, um, yeah. And
1: to see also the essence of what, you know, what is really, what is really necessary in, in, in life
0: so so you went to croatia and you, yes. you threw yourself into this work um uh, i guess around around the world for many years
1: yes and so i traveled uh i traveled to many uh many places i was in um i was in the states as well in uh, in illinois and in um in texas on the mexican border and um yeah i did that for uh, for 13 years where I was in the, my last mission was in, um, in the Philippines. And, um, there I realized that, um, I had given so much and I had been traveling the world, taking care of, of other people's needs. Uh, and yet I felt that I had, I was hitting a wall and I, I was like, okay, but where, where am I in this story? Um, where do I come from? And where am I going? And how do I, if I want to continue this life, where do I get my profound nourishment, um, without giving myself completely away, because I felt completely burned out, drained, and um, uh, yeah, and I had I had given all but I had nothing left for myself, which may seem uh, maybe kind of contradictory when you're living in a convent and where you uh, where this you know where there's a whole environment and yet it was not something that was that was nourishing me enough to um uh, yeah to to avoid the overwhelm of uh, of a burnout
0: yeah. so when when you were I mean, it was thirteen years that it must have been sort of slowly building this realization. Were there moments where you were just like, what's wrong with me cuz mother teresa never complained and like did you hold her up as kind of a an avatar of who you should be
1: well of course it was someone i was really looking up to and she was my she was my role model and i saw i saw the 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 strength she was going through and she, i mean and she had a very balanced balanced life and i think i never really took into consideration that that there was a huge generational gap between between her and me, and um, that she came from a from a communist background, and that she was she had that energy of of building and rebuilding, but that was not that was not my background, and and I was just um, I was I was heading into something where my generosity was was. I would say ahead of me, and, and, and losing the connection with with who am I and where where am I going? Um, so there was, yeah, it's true. It, where, where was that connection with her? I saw she could she could do whatever and had her structure and and, 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 and life and seemed to be um, her energy seemed to be never ending. And, uh, and I really hit the, the, the ground in, in saying, well, I, I can't do this anymore. I need to find a way to, to nourish myself in a way that I can, I'm able to give. Mm. Uh, and if that stops, then I'm, I can't give what I haven't received. Yeah. So there seemed to be a disconnect for me.
0: Did, did her organization teach the sisters... How to become like her, like it seems like you know like I've met people with the, with the kind of presence that you've described. Uh, I met um, a meditation teacher named Sylvia Borstein, who, you know I, I spoke to her for three seconds and I was, you know, just in, in bathed in like cosmic love and like like she had been waiting her whole life to meet me and have these few words. And you know from from reading her work, Like, this is a really hard lifetime practice of of meditation, of contemplation, of inner work. And like, did you get the sense like here's Mother Teresa, this sort of strange human who's different from everybody else? Or there's a path that you take to achieve that kind of inner mastery and, and that you had the time and space to pursue it?
1: Yeah well I think uh, when you when you look at the at the religious uh, the religious life there's a lot and there's where I, I I say it seems it seems contradictory to come out of religious life on a burnout while it's there's such an environment where um yes there is there's prayer there's um uh spiritual nourishment there's there's a community you can rely on there is so from the outside, it may seem as if as if everything is in place to um, to nourish and to to get that connection and to um, only for me there was some kind of disconnect where I was going through the motions and um, but somewhere I didn't connect to um, to something that was that was nourishing me from within and when I look back, it's now. Um, 15 years almost that I, that I left, the more I, I, I grow and the more I, I, I am on my journey, the more I understand the wisdom of what was there. Um, before I was, I was going through the motions and, and now it's more something where, where I understand, oh, that is why this was in place, or we were doing this, or, so, um, maybe it's linked to, uh, to age as well, um, or also to, um, to the different, um, ways of being able to, to integrate, to integrate the teaching. I mean, it's, it's something that takes time to, um, uh, to settle and to really make, make your own. Um, we are talking now for me on a journey of, of, of almost 30 years, which is um, where there are still things that I, that I understand better um, now that I am, that I'm growing myself and that I, that I'm getting older. So, um, and there's where I say, you know, the missionary life somewhere, it has never it has never really left me because it it continues to, um, it continues to do its work um, within me, and and, and I, as I go, I, I understand more uh, the wisdom. I understand also more its its limits, but also the 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 yeah the the great side of it.
0: Mm. So I know for myself, like one of the ways in which I've grown kicking and screaming has been to really focus on some of the things, you know, my own suffering, my own shadow. And I'm wondering, you know, a, you know, in a in a universe where there's so much external suffering and it's so clear that you are privileged and advantaged and lucky and fortunate compared to the people that you're tasked with serving. Was there a way in which it was easy to sort of ignore your own shadow in the service of others?
1: Yeah, I think, I think that is, that is very true. It's, um, when I, when I left, um, at the age of 18, I was, I was really focused on, um, on helping other people. And at the age of 18, you are not, um, I mean, you're barely discovering who you are yourself. So I sometimes, jokingly say I, I lived my life a little bit upside down uh, you know in the sense of everything was first um, to helping others and to helping others um, uh, f- dis- discover themselves um, before I had even discovered as, as you mentioned my own shadows my own my own pains my own um parts where I had to work on. The focus was on, on helping others. Um, and, and, and that is, I think, something that caught up on me later on and say, okay, wait a minute. It's very nice to be, to be giving to others and to um, put yourself aside for the well-being of others. Um, but you can't do that unless you... Or you can't do that on the long term unless you look at look at yourself and know very well um, who you are, uh, where your shadows are, what your uh, pitfalls are, um, and to and to work on that so that you can be giving in also on the long term. Mm
0: -hmm. So you, you returned to right after those 13 years. And talk about you know sort of belonging and not belonging. You 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 share a story about a uh, someone telling you that you have basically there's no job you're qualified for, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> because then you you know after after 13 years, I was like, this is not some this life is for me. It's not something that I that I can continue and that you know will allow me to to grow in the way that I felt I needed to grow. And, um, uh, so I decided to leave, uh, to leave the missions, but then there's a whole other aspect that comes and, uh, where you take up, well, if you, if you don't have a community as I had, you need to provide your own, your own living and, and, and everything. So I was trying to, to get back into, into the working force and to workplace. And, They just bluntly told me, well, you know, with your background, um, I had studied philosophy and theology in the meantime. And they said, well, you know, we don't we don't know what what to do with you. There's just no because they couldn't put me somewhere in a box. There is no place we can we can find. There is no place for you in the in, in the working space. Um, and at that point I was like, okay, well, this is basically the story of my life. I, I don't fit in any box. So if they tell me now that there is no place for me in the working, uh, working space, I need to create it myself. Um, because I need to, to, uh, to earn a living somehow. And so I was like, I don't want to, um, all the experiences I had and, 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 and the studies that I had done in the meantime I didn't want that to go wasted. so I figured if they can't if there's no regular job for me, I need to create it myself and um, and that is where I started my my own business where I wanted to have the person really at uh, at the center and where I started to um, to work with people who had um, had fallen ill and uh, were looking to return to their um, into the working field um, with their um, disabilities or or mental uh, mental issues, to see okay what what can we create there that um, that is working for them. So how can we craft recraft their job? Um, to the full benefit of, of the company, but also uh, taking into account their uh, their limits. Mm. Um, so that is where I started to, to work myself. And um, as I had crafted my own job, I started to craft them for my clients.
0: And how did you get into that, working with uh, the ill trying to return to work?
1: Um, well, I... I don't take no for an answer very very quickly so I tried to figure so first I started to work in a family where there was um, where there were uh, where there were issues and I did my uh, counseling training and, and 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 coaching and so from there on slowly I I moved into into the coaching and first as uh, within a family where there were a lot of difficulties and mental issues and then from there on, I I tried to find ways to uh, to work together with um, with bigger companies and uh, and HR to uh, to see okay what is what needed to be done um, and the government uh, programs as well to um, to allow people to uh, get support when they need to return to the workforce. Mm.
0: So did you did you see these people who had had you know been dealt a blow by life and we're trying to return to the work. Did you see that as sort of a metaphor for your journey that that you had? Well,
1: looking, looking back, yes, yes. And I was like, okay, I have I have been able to do that for myself to craft my job and to find my way into um, into putting all my my knowledge and experiences at the service of of people and i want other people to to experience as well that no matter what kind of situation you're in there's always a way to to get out of it and to find a way where um you as a person can contribute to um to something bigger uh, be it in your own family or be it in, in, in a team, there's always something that you as a person have can contribute um, to the greater good of, uh, of a company or a team. And um, to allow people to see, even if sometimes there may not seem to be um, a solution, um, with the right support and the right um, adjustments, you can you can do that. And I have been working with people who had um, who could only start uh, working one hour a week and we built slowly, very slowly we built that. and it's also the the quality of a company to allow uh, someone to uh, to start, Start off with one hour a week, and from there on to increase. And now this uh, this man he is he is a, uh, he is a manager in uh, he, he he continued his studies and um, he is now doing extremely well in a managing position in the in the car sales. So which is which is really I think that is I mean that is my biggest joy to be able to see that people um, despite their, uh, disabilities or what we from the outside may qualify as, um, as difficult or, or, um, not manageable, um, that, that is where, if we allow that, that vulnerability to be there, uh, where we can bring people back in, 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 in a space where they, where they contribute, uh, to their best.
0: Mm. So I, I imagine there was a uh, a strength in you from having to sit and hold the hand of a dying person whose language you couldn't speak that that allowed you to sit with people's vulnerability. Yeah, um, and
1: to and to learn to speak the language of the heart. I have been in too many places where I didn't speak the language of 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 the people, and yet where i knew there was such a c- profound connection and a communication from the heart beyond beyond words and um i think that is that is what is you know what is allowing us to see from a whole different uh, different perspective into um into into connecting and um you know beyond beyond everything that is tangible mm. so and yet so real
0: mm. So I'm I'm playing with a a story in my head that I want to offer to you, um, which is so when you came back to the workforce and you were told there's no place for you that like if I had been sort of a hiring manager, I would have asked you, like, what did you do? And I'm sure you organized things and you ran things. And like there I'm sure there was a list of competencies that we could map into any number of jobs. And but the story I'm telling myself is that they were really thinking that you were too good for them in some way that you your mission was so lofty that you wouldn't care about selling cars or making quarterly profits, and I'm I'm wondering what you think of that. Is that does there seem to be some like accuracy in there?
1: Well, I think I think it. My story might have been so unusual that they simply didn't know where to start or what to do. And I was, when I, when I tried to find my way in, I said, I, I am willing to do anything. Um, and um, even if they would give me uh, the, the, I mean, I was, I was willing to work myself up and start by, uh, by, um, I, I went on my bike to, to all old people's homes and I would do anything to 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 get somewhere but they would there was nothing that they would um I think it was too uh, too out of the ordinary to be able to say okay well you you need to find a job in this department or that department or or whatsoever and they they were just not interested or invested in in trying to to see okay what is there for you that you can even even if you don't have all the all the um, necessary requirements, but there is something that is beyond these requirements or beyond that certificate or, or, or whatever. Um, and I think that that was where I touched the difference between being able to really listen to the person and find a solution, or or being there with your list and say, okay, do you tick, do you tick all the boxes or do you, you know, in which box do you belong? Um, That there was the the big um, thing where they didn't really know what to, what to do with me. And that is what I wanted for my clients to discover that no matter what, even if, if people, I wanted them to have someone next to them, Trying to figure out what would be the best for them, beyond my own interest of uh, you know of a of a recruiter to fill fill a gap. I didn't want to fill any gaps. I wanted to help people in a substantial way to to find their capacities and to to live a fulfilling life also also in the working field. Mm. And that is from there on that I. That is what I want to help leaders discover is that potential of, of the human being, no matter where they are. If we take the time as leaders and, and, and if we take the time to really sit next to the person and see, okay, to look with the eyes of the heart, what is there that you can contribute in your own unique way, to the team to make the team a team and not only uh, people who are doing a job. What is there that you can contribute in that uh, in 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 the well-being of the uh, of the company? And um, but that takes time. That takes courage. It takes um, uh, it takes also. Uh, vulnerability to be able to sit down with someone, and in the first place, not knowing what is the solution to um, to helping someone. So it also touches um, my vulnerability to to sit in in the fact that I don't know, I don't have the solution straight away. It is something that we will need to figure out together. And, um, so I'm not coming as the one who has the solution. Often I don't even have a clue. And so it's the strength to be able to, to endure and to, to sit in that vulnerability of, um, of not knowing and, and, and showing up anyway. And they're trying to find a way that suits the person in a very deep way rather than me imposing a solution um, which may which may be a temporary solution, but is not going to do any any good uh, for the person on the long term.
0: Yeah. So is is the the spirit of business that you're proposing compatible with market capitalism cuz some part of me is saying that it's pretty subversive if you're putting the person first if you're talking about the well-being of the team and the company and you're talking about I presume also not just okay so we're a really loving company but we build bombs for example right like like it seems it seems like there's something that could infect a company if you get in and they and they take you seriously that could kind of really mess with some of their plans.
1: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure because everything depends on how you're building your company is your company. Is it, is it result driven or is it people driven? So if you are starting to, um, to implement the fact that you are looking at, um, at the person as your biggest asset, um, and implementing there that capacity to, to sit to sit with misery, to sit with vulnerability, um, it slows you down maybe on the front side, on the front end, but it will speed you up for the longer term. Because because as soon as you start to sit with the person in need. Um, rather than imposing something impossible on on the person, you will you will be able to bring them along way further than um, than wanting to wanting them at all cost to achieve a certain a certain goal. All
0: right. And and, but for so companies, you know, in, in the United States, if you're a publicly traded company, you have a fiduciary responsibility to maximize profits and there are you know b corporation but it seems like maximizing profits is the very definition of result driven over people driven i'm wondering how you navigate yeah. those spaces because you have to make a living in the economy that exists
1: yeah so f- for me it is looking i don't say that that the result is 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 not important i mean if we are in business, we are in sales. So we need to we need to uh, make money. We a business a business grows. Uh, if a business doesn't grow, it 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 collapses or it regresses. So it's very simple. We need to um, that is part of life. Either we grow or we regress and we die. So we need to take that into into account. But at what price do we take that into account is it is it profit at all cost or is it um profit with with the team and maybe as i said maybe it will slow down the process when you start uh, changing when you start implementing that but on the long term it will it will allow you to create a team which is way more a team where um, where people are really being valued. And so even in times of, of crisis or in difficulty are way more willing to to invest beyond uh, beyond time and effort and, and, and whatsoever. So you cre- for the longer term, I think you are creating a way, Healthier business culture than um, when you are looking at um, simply at results and um, and 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 reaching the targets, because people will burn out. Why is it that so many companies and why why the why the burnout rates have uh, have gone through the roof? And, and and the more we and and younger I mean people are are burning out at, at way earlier than um, than 10 20 years ago. So there I think there's the real challenge of being able to see okay well if we are only in a company if we are only result driven without taking into account um, the personal well-being and the personal, um personal development and, and 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 allowing people to do their jobs from from their own strength, if we don't take that into account, i mean we're we're burning out everybody mm. on the long term, yeah. and I think that is becoming even more accurate for uh, for generations after us
0: mm. yeah, my credit card processing company for my business is called Gravity Payments and i signed up with them after reading an article about the ceo who took like a million dollar pay cut to make sure that all his employees made at least a living wage in seattle and wow yeah. um, and this was several years ago and i know he's been tweeting like what great there's no great resignation <laughs> i you know our company has more job applicants we had a really hard time when the pandemic hit and and everyone agreed to take a pay cut until we got back on our feet. And I was able to repay all of the lost wages, but they were loyal. And yeah. so, like, you know, if as long as the economy keeps going up, you can treat people badly <laughs> and survive. But as soon as soon as there is a glitch, then you kind of reap what you've sown in terms of yeah. uh, human relationships.
1: Yeah. And if you build on those human relationships, people you create also a loyalty within within the team or within the within the company where people in times of economic difficulty or or even difficulty for the company are willing to say, OK, we are we are willing to um, to really to stay put and to make it work and we will do whatever we can um because because there is a right balance, people are not being treated as only the ones who can um, who can, uh, you know, uh, make money and, and and who are reaching their targets at, at all cost. You know, the other day I was talking to uh, to a vice president of a company and he said, well, you know, the profitability or the, the performance when people are working at home. Um, has increased. But he was seriously concerned and said, but at what cost? Mm. Because I see people are, are working way more efficiently and, 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 and performance, but they're making way longer hours. But at what cost? Because I see my people um, who are just burning out. Um, so we are not. I mean, we can we can um, perform at uh, at our best um, on willpower, but only for so long. If there is nothing that regenerates that energy from within while we are working, and which are which is which is relevant to to who we are, and and we don't recharge the batteries while we are going. Um, and then we are only focused on on reaching a certain target
0: mm.
1: and then we're wearing out
0: mm. so what what wisdom do you have for folks who are leaders either in organizations either you know at the top or leading people who report to them or even leaders in the community or in their own families like what it seems it seems to me like there's a call for global leadership like it's it's time for humans to stop waiting for someone else to figure it out and save us. What, 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 what do yeah. you want to say to, you know, to all my listeners who are um, invited to leadership to make this world a better place right now?
1: I think, um, I think the most important thing is that we are all called to be leaders, no matter where you are. Leadership in the first place starts with, with each of us of it, and taking accountability for where we are standing ourselves, to take responsibility there, where we are, whether it's in our family, whether it's in our own, whether it's in our own business, whether we are um, uh, CEOs or or in 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 higher positions, leadership on every level starts with ourselves. If we are not ready to to take on the responsibilities and the accountability. In our own lives, we will never grow as a leader. We will not be able to to lead a team if we don't know how, we, how to lead ourselves. So if we want to improve our leadership, it starts with with us first before we can before we can lead others. Hmm.
0: And what does that look like? So what, what, are, what are some practical things that we can do?
1: Uh, to see in the first place where where am I um, rather being reactive and waiting for situations to solve or think situations to get better or you know maybe in the in the current in the current climate in saying okay when um, when we are going back to normal, then I will do this this and this or it will allow me to hmm. be, to do this. To take it back and to say, okay, I don't know when that, when that will happen, but there is something that I can do today that will start to, um, to move things in a different direction. If I keep waiting for situations to become better or to improve, um, to make a change, It is never going to happen because there will always be an excuse. But if I look at today, what can I do today to improve and to do what I can do today? Then by the time we may be back to normal, we are way ahead, um, towards where we could be. So don't, don't put things off and be, uh, be proactive today where I can make a change today.
0: Hmm, that's beautiful that's uh, you know in my in my work with leaders, that's kind of the defining difference between the leaders that the company really values and the ones who you know who get the promotions is that feeling of the you know, no matter what's going on, it's my responsibility to deal with it
1: yeah, and it's never it's never as long as we keep putting the fault to uh, or the excuses to situations or other people, you know, if he will be gone, then I will. Or if this situation is solved, then I will. No, it's never good because there will always be another reason why not to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Make the change today because there is, there is where you are in power. There is where you where you can lead from a place of, of, of well-being and a, of, of responsibility.
0: Yeah, and I guess it's also the question of, you know, what are what are my expectations and that, you know, coming back to to Mother Teresa, I'm not sure that, that her, her intention was to end poverty, right, or to solve poverty. No. Right. I mean, can you say more no. about that?
1: She was always looking at what she could do today. And if today that meant to pick up um the person dying in the street and to give him food that was her that was what she could do today she was not going to solve the problem of poverty but she could make a difference um for the people she would meet on on, on the day in the on the, in the here and now it was not some idealistic um uh idea or or she wanted She wanted to do. She wanted to make a difference in the in the direct environment and in the in the people with the people that she met then and there Um, without postponing and say, okay, well, I need to go to the government to take care of this uh, this person in need here. No, she was able to say, okay, there is a person who needs my help right now. It does. It will change his life if I take care of him right now, and if I give him something to eat right now. It doesn't serve him at all if I go to a constitution or a, a council or whatsoever, trying to solve the problem at large or in a, in in a larger way. Um, but she made sure she did what she could, what was within her reach, uh, to make a difference. Um, to make a difference today. Mm. And I think that is something that um, that sticks with me. You know, um, where can I make a difference today? All big theories are very nice, but what can I do today within my ability, where I can make a difference in in, in someone's life, mm. even if it's if even if it's just um, looking at someone, recognizing. Seeing them for who they are, even if that is just in the blink of an eye when I'm passing by,
0: mm-hmm. and we have no idea the impact that will have on the rest of their life.
1: No, and that, and I, and I don't think that is that is important. And sometimes we will know, and most of the time we won't. So you know, it's not for our personal, but it's 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 with the intention to had yeah, to change something in someone's life and give them a spark of of joy or a spark of hope maybe that will that will remain with them for for the rest of their life at least there was something someone that day who saw me and um, and who took care of me
0: mm-hmm. great
1: in whatever way shape or form
0: right so we're at the the uh... End of the hour. If people want to find out more about you and follow your work, where can they do so?
1: Uh, they can follow me through uh, on my website saskia.ie, um, or otherwise follow me on uh, on Instagram or LinkedIn uh, through Saskia Kramer and Kramer with a K.
0: Okay, and it's K R E M E R, and I'll Correct. include links to both of those in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. okay. Wonderful. So, Saskia Kramer, it was so lovely to hear your story and to to get to know you a little bit, and to to uncover some of the heart and soul um, behind the the person I've been reading about for quite a while now.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was absolutely my pleasure, and um, thank you for setting this up and to uh, to spread the word like this because it's so important for people to to discover the world and to to see that there is more.
0: Yep. Yep. And it's such a, such a joy and an honor to be able to uh, to be a conduit for uh, for wisdom like yours to get out into the world. So thank, thank you so much for everything you do and for taking the time today. All right. That's a wrap. If you'd like to see the links in the show notes, you can find them at plantyourself.com slash 502. Boy, we're coming up on episode 1000. Wonder what I'm going to do for that one. Anyway, um, Movement news. I went for a six-mile run this morning. Well, six-mile run in that it was an average of 12 minutes and 12 seconds per mile. So there was a fair amount of walking. I kind of, you know, jogged a quarter mile and walked for a little bit, trying to get my energy back up. I played ultimate on Saturday or on Sunday rather. Saturday the weather wasn't so good, and I've never been so gassed in all my life. After just a couple of points, I was bent over disoriented people were asking me if I'm all right and you know we're it's a pretty self-absorbed game so we don't really notice that in uh, in others unless it's really apparent and after an hour and a half of kind of really wondering what had happened to my fitness, I remembered that I had donated blood the day before um, just about twenty two hours earlier and uh, my uh, some of the people on the field are medical doctors who explained to me that, There's something about blood carrying oxygen and not having enough that could explain my terrible um, performance that day. So that's to say yesterday I took the day off. And this morning I got up and did this um, longish run jog. Um, Also got back into um, some kettlebell stuff. I did six rounds of pretty lightweight uh, clean and press. Uh, which if you do kettlebells, you will know what that is. And if you don't, it doesn't really matter. And honestly, I've gained a little bit of weight, you know, through um, the, the the injury and then just being cold and wintry. And I think that's fine. I think going up a few pounds in the winter is probably a natural, normal human thing. But in two weeks, I am leading a workshop, the first sort of business thing I've done in years. And I only have um, one... <laughs> pair of travel pants that I really, really like, and they don't have a stretch waist. So I've committed to losing about five to seven pounds between now and then, just so I can wear those pants and don't have to go buy new ones. So if you're looking for a big why, there's mine. So it reminds me a little bit about the beginning. uh, The trigger of Josh's, Josh Lajani's weight loss journey was wanting to be able to tuck in his shirt at graduation. So, um, if, you th- if you think we're, uh, you know, on a different sort of spiritual level, <laughs> we're not. Um, Garden News planted some blueberry bushes. Um, there was a big sale down at Chatham uh, country, country Farm and Home down in Pittsburgh. They had what are called bare root plants, which means they're tiny. They have bare roots. They don't come in big root balls or pots or other containers. And it means you got to get them into the ground quick. So, we had a thaw and put some blueberries in the ground. You know, one of the best things about the house where we live is the blueberry bushes. And I was thinking, like, even if, like, the house burned down, we could build a new, God forbid, we could build a new house in, you know, six months. And, you know, it's, like, probably insured. (laughs) Um, You know, whatever, like, but if the blueberry, if something happened to the blueberry, like the blueberries, they... We, we moved in and we had blueberries. Every spring, summer, we get blueberries. And like, that's the best part of this whole property. And so it may take, you know, five to seven years for these little twigs that I put in the ground to start bearing. And who knows if we'll still be here. Um, you know, they might go for 10, 15, 20 years. And who knows what will happen in that time. But the thought of planting perennials that provide delicious food Fills me with such joy. So every year, I want to put, you know, sort of six to ten new bushes in the ground, and whoever ends up living here, you know, will will get the benefit of that. Um, I think that's about all I want to talk about today. So let's go into thanks. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mauro, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Berenst, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Filkonoski, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Kelly Cameron, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franz Jeanette Bennett, Gila Serk, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Visov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Val Lineman, Nick Harper, Banda Nachali, Molly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Coppola, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Sharon Hirschman, Linda Ayad, Holm Hedegaard, Iza Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olikoski of Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Morani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, kevin mccauley elizabeth rothschild and jesse cheryl dwyer jenny hazleton peter w evans dennis bird Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Emily Iconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Picorni, Steven Lennon, Patty Martino, Mike and Donna Karts, Deanne Bishop, Billbury elf Marjorie Lewis, Trisha Adams, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarit Hagen, Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Paranganchi.